anybody remember what we talked about last week? Or does anybody remember the main scripture that we used? No. Okay. Let me... Huh? Anyone say anything? Second Corinthians 5 what? 17, right? Hey, good job. Y'all deserve a pat in the back. Pat yourself on the back, please. Y'all are awesome. TJ, if you could put that verse up. Yes, the old and new sermon series. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here, right? So that was last week. We're mentioning this important. Like we're talking basically about the identity of a person. You see, it's important to know who you are because it determines what you do, right? I showed you what a caterpillar did last week, right? It became a butterfly, right? Now, what does a bird do? It flies. Okay, I was trying to go for that. So a bird flies, a fish swims, right? A sinner sins, but a saint lives for the Lord, okay? Now, it might be a bar. It might be a bar. I didn't know. I didn't plan that. That was not planned. Okay, that was not planned. But still, so here's the thing, right? What you are, who you are, determines what you do. A thief is going to consistently steal. A murderer is going to kill this is what's going to happen continuously. So that's why it's important to know who you are because it will determine what you do. The, now, as we learned last week, the old life, as in the life you inherited from Adam, the old way of living, that is gone. And the new way of living is here in Christ as he gives you new life, but that's only in Christ. That's what we learned last week. This week, we're going to, learning about, we're going to learn about how outside of Christ... Not only are we old, we're part of the original world of sin, but we're actually dead. We have no life. And then we're going to learn now that in Christ, we have new life. So this is the question I want to put on your mind as you're listening to the sermon is, and it might sound a little corny, but it's really simple. Are you dead or are you alive? And how do you know? The answer is going to be simple. It's going to be basically that you are dead if you are in sin. And you're living for yourself. You are alive if you are in Christ and living as he lived. And we're going to see how that, that works, right? So if I can go to my first scripture, I really want you guys to understand why you can be dead. I mean, how many people here can breathe right now? Take a really deep breath. Now, I want you to imagine as you breathe, right, just like when the doctor puts that, what's that, stethoscope? Stethoscope? Am I right? Am I wrong? I am right. Wow. Okay, that's crazy. Wow, that's on the record. I'm right about something, right? So you put the stethoscope, I can't say it now. You put that thing that's metal on your back, and he says, take a deep breath, and you take a deep breath. Now, I want you to think about this, right? You've taken a deep breath. Now, think about maybe like a 50, 60, 70 years ago, you know, someone else took a deep breath. Now, think about someone like the guy who Killed, some, killed those two kids at Madden, right? He took a deep breath. We've all taken deep breath. Everyone breathes. Everyone moves and stuff, no matter how bad you are, how good you are. Um, so here's the thing is that how are they dead if they don't know Christ? Well, I'm going to take you to Genesis 3. If you could turn there, my good friend, Genesis 3. How many of y'all got a Bible today? It is important to have a Bible because the Bible reveals God's plans for your life. If you're in one-on-one, you should know this. It reveals God's plans for your life, right? And it leads you in the path of salvation. It tells you how to get saved. So it's, it's important to have a Bible. So if you have a Bible, wave it up in the air like you do care because you do care. If you don't care, that's wrong. So, okay, read along. 
Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. So understand, this is after God created the world in six days and rest on the seventh. Yesterday, we had a beautiful kind of skit with Alejandro and Oscar where they acted out God creating the world. And Alejandro was levitating on some weird stuff, you know, and then, and then he fell asleep for rest. It was awesome. So this is what happened, right? God created the world, created it good. And you know what he did? He created man. When he made man, he said, mm, that's not good. You need a woman, right? And Adam was like, whoa, man. And bam, they got married, did the thing, right? That's what happened. So now after that, we don't really know how long after that. The Bible doesn't feel like that's important to know, but it feels this is important to know. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He made the wild animals. This was the most crafty one. Now, we know what the serpent is. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? You see, God told Adam, right, you can eat from every tree, every bush, in the garden, except the tree of knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? You cannot eat from that tree. So this is what Satan's doing. He's he's asking you, he's asking, you know, Eve, hey man, you know, did God really say that? Like, did God really say that? Are you sure? Are you hundred percent? If you're 50, man, you might be wrong. So the woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the fruit from we may eat from, uh, fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. Automatically, she don't know the word of God, the word of God, because God didn't say that. He said the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, and you must not touch it, or you will die. So, bam, or you will die. God told Adam, if he was to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you would die. Okay, that's important. God literally told him, you're gonna die if you eat from this tree. Now, I know lots of you guys understand. Kind of like when your pa- your parents, when you're little, it's like, hey man, don't don't look. You make sure you gotta look both ways before crossing the street. But how many of y'all actually look both ways before crossing the street? Raise your hand. Some of you don't. Some of you don't. That's why, man, all of a sudden you're gonna be in your headphones listening to Young Thug, listening to you know Uzi Vert, man, listening to Logic or whatever. You're gonna be listening. You're gonna be bumping it. Then all of a sudden a car is gonna because you didn't look both ways across the street. That's what your mom's and your dad's thinking is going to happen, right? So they're telling you, you might get hit. But this is straight from God himself. He's telling him, listen, if you eat from this tree, you will die. So the devil says, you will not certainly die. He basically calls God a liar. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, that's Adam, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and the wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you were in the garden. I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I have commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, so, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? 
the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. So I want to let you guys know that this is the disobedience that left sin into the world. So this is the first disobedience that humans committed, and it was Eve and Adam, right? So this is why I want you guys to understand, because a lot of you think, Man, dude, there's so many bad things going on, man. Like, I, I feel separate from God. I don't feel God anymore. Man, why is this world so messed up? And everybody wants to point the finger to God. But guess what? There's like this cool thing on Facebook I saw. When you're pointing the finger out, you're putting one finger out, four are pointing back at you. It's actually people's fault. It's a person's fault that there's all this death in the world, that there's all this sin in the world. That's why there's someone being, there's probably someone being killed right now. There's probably someone being raped right now. There's evil that goes on constantly. The Bible says that people create new ways to do evil, and it all stems from this, right? But we continue on in the story, and guess what? They're physically still alive. So this is what I want to tell you. There's actually two deaths that you can experience. You could die, obviously, because of this, people now die. Adam and Eve were not supposed to die. But also this, your relationship, your connection to God, your spiritual life is dead. That was what they experienced. They were dead to God. They were dead. So why is there death? Let me answer this for you guys. It's because of Adam and Eve's disobedience. So... If you could turn to Romans 5.12, and if you're there on your phone or in the Bible, you can read along. But Romans 5.12 says this, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. So, and then it continues on to say, you don't have to turn there, but to be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking the command as Adam, who is the pattern of the one to come, right? Now, I wish I could, I could even preach more on this, but I want to focus on this, right? Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, everyone, who is the one man that sin entered through? Who, who said Adam? You don't have to raise your hand, but you are correct. Adam. Adam. Through one man, that's Adam, sin entered the world. Then, right, through sin came death. So because of sin, there is death. Because of their disobedience, bam, death comes. Now, there's a natural death like I was saying. See, Adam lived hundreds of years old. If anybody knows how old Adam lived to, you can scream it out or look it up. Adam lived pretty old, right? But the relationship, get get this, it said that God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. Man, God was chilling with Adam, right? And so he disobeyed him. Then death came. Now, right, you have all types of sin. You have Abel killing Cain. I mean, Cain killing Abel. You have people being raped. You have uh, Noah, the time of Noah, where there is nothing but sexual morality and pride and people wanting to be God. You see, a lot of people think, man, dude, you know, we just... We just ate from a, they just ate from a tree. Why is that so bad? If you look at the intentions, they wanted to be just like God. They thought God was a liar. They rejected what God had said in that they rejected life. And God told them that if you did this, you would die. So death, the natural, it comes, right? But the spiritual, right? It came to all people and it reigned over them. Sin reigned over people. 
So does anybody know, not reign as in like pouring like, like the clouds and all that, but reign as in it ruled over people. Sin has ruled over this whole world. Matter of fact, you don't understand this, but your school is run by people that are run by sin. The government is run by people that are run by sin. Your favorite artist, their label, is run by people that are run by sin. Basically, death is in control of everything. Everyone here is going to die. That is the simple fact. We can all point to the first bit of disobedience to know why. The effects of death. Everybody saw, man, why was, why was Adam, why were Adam and Eve uh, so worried to be naked? They're the only two people in the garden. Why are they tripping? The Bible is showing in a poetic way that they were ashamed. They had guilt. They had guilt. And not only this, the effect also was pride. They hid from God. They thought they could cover themselves with some fig leaves and they could make it all better. They can hide their shame and their guilt. But guess what, right? In doing that, they just showed that they were separate from God. Think about it. Adam went from walking with God to now running away from God. That is what death brought, the spiritual death. Him dying, his relationship with God dying, that brought shame, guilt, and pride. He then blamed Eve. He said, the woman that you gave me, he not only did blame Eve, but he blamed God. I sinned because of you, God. And some of you may be like that today. You may blame God for your sin. You may blame God for your temptations. But that is what a lie. It's actually you. You are to blame. Just like Adam who ate of the tree himself. No one forced him to grab the fruit. But he did it willingly. Then came death. So there is effects of death. If you're feeling shame. If you have guilt. If you have uh, there's, there's depression. There's, there's all types of things that stems off of, of all these things. But this is the effects these are the effects of death. So if you could turn to Ephesians 2. So who is dead? That's the question, right? Because, I mean, if I put the heart monitor on all of you guys, I mean, other than Nathan and Alejandro, I don't know, they, they look like they're sleeping right now. But other than them, right, everybody, their heartbeat would be pumping, right? I would see that you're alive. I would see that you have a heartbeat, that you have a pulse, so with that being said, how do I know you're dead? How do you know you have no relationship with God? Well, this is the thing, right? We can tell by the word of God, as for you, right? Now say, as for you. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. Right? Can you go back right there? So we know who is dead and their transgressions and sins because they are what? Disobedient. So we know that we are dead in our sins or others are dead in their sins because of what? They are disobedient. Right? They are disobedient to God. That means the commands of God are awful to them. They want to reject them just like Adam, right? Because he died, he runs away from God. Because he died, he makes excuses for his, his sin. Because he died, he tries to cover his sin with fig leaves and other things. You may try to cover your sin with music. You try, may try to cover your sin with money, with popularity, with friends, with video games. You may try to run away from your sin and your death, but it's there always because you're in it. You're dead in it. You're in the grave. And that's what the Bible is saying, that you are dead in your transgressions and sins. And this is what I want to get to you. That those who are disobedient, it's as simple as this. Those who are disobedient gratify the desires of the flesh. 
It's, it's, a, it's a process. You, those who are disobedient want to gratify the desires of their flesh. They want to please themselves. Why are you angry? I feel like it. Why are you yelling at this person? Why are you cussing them out? I felt like it. Why did you just shoot those two people up after losing a Madden contest? The man probably said, I felt like it. I had a desire. I had to fulfill it. Why did you have sex with her? Why did you kill that person? All these things happen because of the desires of the flesh. Why did you disobey your parents? Why did you lie? Why do you not want to please God? I don't feel like it. This is my desire. But yes, guess what? You guys are all slaves if you think that way. You are a slave if you think that way because guess who you are following? You're following the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Now, that is basically the Bible saying just like how Chicago is called the Windy City because news gets around, right? News gets around. That's why it's called the Windy City, not because it blows, but because news gets around. Satan is the ruler of this world. Not in a sense like God, he's own, like he owns God, but like I was saying, you're the government. What do you think is the power that it listens to? What do you think it's following? It's not following God. It's following Satan because they're not saved. They don't know God. Listen, people in your schools, right, they're pushing, listen, you, need, you can be whatever you want, man. You can cut whatever you need in order to feel whatever you want to feel, gratify whatever desire you want. Who do you think they're listening to? Who do you think they're listening to? The ruler of the air. When rappers, right, when all they talk about is sex, money, and drugs, and they might be front, they might not do any of that, right? Who are they following just to get this money? The kingdom, the, the, the ruler of the kingdom in the air. So they're following Satan himself. So you may think I'm being disobedient because I own my own body. I am, I'm my own master. But the truth is you're dead in your sins and your transgressions. You're nothing but a puppet for Satan. That's it. Everybody ever, ever, ever heard of the puppet, uh, the puppet Pinocchio? Before he came to life, you know who he was? Just some wood. Just a piece of wood wherever the master put him. And that's exactly what you are when you just follow the ways of this world. You're nothing but a puppet. You may think, I make my own decisions, but your decisions are influenced by your flesh, which is under the rule of Satan. It's plain and simple. You aren't your own boss. You're nothing but a slave. But here's the thing, right? You may think, man, dude, you sound really bogus, right? But guess what? As I said, there's a past tense used there. This is speaking to believers. It says, as for you, you are dead in your sins and transgressions. You're dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler in the world, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Can you continue? All of us, say all of us, all of us lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following the desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Listen, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how good you think your GPA is. It doesn't matter how many sports programs you do. It doesn't matter how many friends you have. It doesn't matter if you're LeBron James to Donald Trump to Barack Obama. This goes for everyone. You were all dead in your sins. We were all dead in our sins, deserving of wrath. The Bible says no one is good, not even one for all, have fallen short of the glory of God. See, this is one way that the devil may trick you. He said, Are you really a sinner? Are you really a bad person? Do you really need God? Do you really need to follow the ways of the world, the the ways of the Lord? Or can you just do your own thing? Can you compromise? Do you have to take this so serious? It's just religion. See, the devil will try to trap you up in so many ways. You can do that later in life. 
But it's all a ploy to take, to keep you dead, to keep you from life. It's all a trick to keep you from life. Now, I don't know where any of you are at, and you might, some of you may not believe in God. Some of you may kind of believe in him. Some of you may have just sinned a whole lot before you came here. But this is the truth no matter who you are because all of us, can you guys repeat that? One, two, three. All of us lived among them at one time. We are all here. You're either there now, you're the dead in your sins now, or you used to be. So word to the Christians as we now transition into what it is to have life. You cannot be prideful. If you are a Christian, if you are a child of God, if you are in Christ, you cannot look at people with disgust. You cannot look at the prostitute with disgust. You cannot look at the murderer with disgust. You can be disgusted with their sin. You cannot look at the kids who smoke and do drugs and drink and go to parties and cuss out teachers and maybe cuss you out. You cannot look at them with disgust because guess what? You were in the same boat as them. You were in the same grave as them. You shared the same cemetery as every sinner you've ever seen. That's where you were. So there should be no pride. There should be no pride. There should be no type of, uh, of snottiness where you stick your nose up at the, the woman who's pregnant at 16. It should never be like that because you were at the same spot. So if you can transition to the, to the next uh, verse, which is Ephesians, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians 15. 20 to 22. So here's the thing, right? We all know that death came because of Adam and Eve, and all have experienced, all have been ruled over death. Some of you guys have lost people close to you. Some of you know people who are in prison because it's like their conscience doesn't even matter. They just do whatever their thoughts say, do whatever their feelings do, and they did something that's messed up, so now they're in jail. Some of you guys are like, free my homie Rodrigo. And we're like, what did Rodrigo do? Man, he shot someone. No, keep Rodrigo in prison. Rodrigo needs to stay in prison, okay? He's in sin. He's dead. He doesn't know God. He needs to know God. There are certain, there are certain people that are more inclined to listen to so they do, and, and we could get into that. So basically, they don't, they don't listen to their conscience, right? So some people are, everyone is dead, but some people, right, just so happen to listen to Satan more, basically. But continuing in that, right? Why is there life now? I told you there was death, right? And guess what it said? It said we were all deserving of wrath. How many of you believe in this room you get what you deserve? Raise your hand. You get what you deserve. You get what you work for. So if you're broke, guess why you're broke? Guess why you're broke? Why you broke? Why, why you broke? You ain't got no old job. You ain't work. You get what you deserve. You get what you work for, right? The Bible says the wages of sin is death. So you work a life of sin, what do you deserve? Death. So why do we even have life? Some of you are so privileged to even hear about Jesus. Actually, all of us are privileged to hear about Jesus. We don't deserve it. We deserve to be in some kind of solitude place where we are tortured and we don't hear the gospel. That's what we deserve. We're all deserving of wrath. We've all sinned. Some of you guys don't understand how bad your thoughts are because you're so busy on, on pleasing yourself, on, on gratifying your flesh. But if you actually thought about how messed up your thoughts were, how many times you thought bad things about people, how many times you've thought murderous thoughts, hateful thoughts, lustful thoughts, you don't even know that God is keeping account of everything you've ever thought. Jesus said what you've thought in secret will be revealed when he comes back. So every thought you ever thought, every thought I've ever thought, everything, the deepest thought will be seen by 
God himself. God sees it. And you know what? It just proves that we are deserving of wrath, so why is there life? Why is it that I, can, as, a, I as a believer, can say I'm born again and God has saved me? Why is it that we can testify that God has saved us? Why? Simple as this. Those who belong in, wait, sorry. It's simple as this, because Christ raised from the dead. Simple as that. Christ raised from the dead. It doesn't have, it's not some, some crazy reason, right? And yes, God loved us. God loves us, yes. And don't ever downplay that. Yes, Christ died for us. But here is the reason why everyone here should go crazy for Jesus, not care about anything else but pleasing God. It's because every one of the people you follow, every one of the people you listen to, everyone that you admire is going to die, and they are not going to be able to raise from the dead by themselves. But guess what? Christ rose himself from the grave. Some of you guys can't raise yourself up from bed. But Christ rose himself up from the grave. Christ literally rose himself, defeated death. The death that reigned over all of mankind. The death that had caused wars. The death that had caused plagues. The death that had brought kingdoms down. Christ defeated death. Now here's the thing, right? Why? Why is that important? If you can go to the next verse, why is that important to you? Some of you might actually believe it, but it might be just a historical fact because you've heard it so long. Just like George Washington had fake teeth. That does nothing for you. That does nothing for you. So when I say George Washington had fake teeth, Oprah Oprah Winfrey was once broke, right? Now she's super rich. And then let's say, what's another like random fact? Someone throw a random fact at me. Okay. I'll just throw another one. Michael Jackson was once, he, beat, he bleached his skin, okay? Let's just say that. That's, that's another random fact, another random fact. So then I add all those facts, and I say, well, Jesus rose from the dead. You pile them up in the same thing. It's a useless thing, and you make the resurrection of Jesus useless. It's a false belief. Now, if we died with Christ, this is Romans 6, 6 through 14. Now, if we died with Christ... We believe that we also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from what? The dead. Say it like you mean it. This is crazy. Have you ever seen anyone raised from the dead? Have you ever felt anyone raised from the dead? Let's say you're like, like you go to the funeral or whatever, and all of a sudden you touch the the, the casket. Like some people, when they're little, they like to touch dead bodies. I don't know why. Everyone tells me that. So you touch, and all of a sudden the guy gets up like I rose myself from the dead. No, you haven't seen that. But if you did, you know what you would do? You would tell everybody. You'd be like, bro, dude, my uncle, bro, 60 years old, raised from the dead. All of a sudden, he started walking through walls. He started telling people about, you know, God and stuff. Like, that's crazy. But guess what? This is true. Christ rose from the dead, and yet some of you won't even share it with anyone. You won't even share it with your pet dog if you had the chance. You wouldn't share the gospel. You wouldn't share that Christ raised from the dead even if someone asked you. Like, hey, man, I heard Christ died. You're like, yeah, he died. But you don't want to, because you don't believe it. But here's the thing. It's so important that we actually believe it, because until you believe it, you're still dead. Until you believe Christ rose from the dead, you're still counted as dead. That's the thing. That's why you have to believe. And until you believe it, guess what? Before this, it says your faith is dead. Your faith is dead if you don't believe Christ rose from the dead. And you will only know you believe it if you are actually living like Jesus. 
Until then, you are stuck in disobedience. You are stuck in your flesh. You are stuck being a puppet by the devil. Until you believe that Christ rose from the dead. And it's a beautiful thing. Christ rising from the dead, the innocent lamb. Jesus was innocent, didn't do anything. He died a criminal's death. It's the most glorious thing that's ever, been, that's ever happened. A lot of people like to say, man, young people die, man. The innocent die young. No, guess what? Evil die young, old die old. old the old die, the old evil die old. It doesn't matter. The only one who was innocent that died was Christ. And the beautiful thing is he rose again. That's the only thing that matters. And this is the truth, okay? So as we continue to read, for we know that Christ was raised from the dead. Amen. He cannot die again. Jesus ain't going to die again. All right? There's no going back to the cross. There's no sacrifice anymore. Death no longer has mastery over him. Jesus died, but guess what? He told death, I'm alive. He has mastery over death. The death he died, he died to, he died to sin once for all. So the death he died, he died to sin once for all. The death was all, all he needed. That death was all that was needed to defeat sin. But, he li- but the life he lives, he lives to God. So now Jesus, right, is sitting at the right hand of the Father, right, and they're, they're praying for us. They're interesting. He's alive. He is God. He is alive. We go to the next verse. In the same way, count yourself. So this is why it's important. Yes, Jesus rose from the grave. That's beautiful. But now this flips back to you. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. You need to catch that. Christ took the death that we deserved. See, we deserved to die on that cross. But Christ took that death we deserved, and he rose so this is, this is what it, that's how it goes. Now, this is how it affects you. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that, you obey, so, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. Stop right there, please. Don't go to the next slide. So listen to what it's saying. In the same way that Jesus, right, was dead to sin, he died as a man. We are to die now. You may think, I thought I was already dead. What? You were just screaming at me for 40 minutes. You're, you're already, I'm already dead. Like, what does this mean? No, okay, the life that you lived, it's saying key words. You were dead in your sins and transgressions. You're dead, but the life that you lived. So this life, right, that you've been living, right, this life full of death, this life full of sin, it will now, you have to count it as dead. You have to count it as dead. It is dead in the grave, that old self, right? Like we're talking about next week. That is now dead. Can you go to the next one? But rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master. There you go. You understand that once you are in death, once you're in your sin, you think you're owning yourself. Like I was saying, sin is your master at that point when you're dead. You are doing exactly what sin wants you to do. If you feel any kind of opposition to the message, to the word of God, you are exactly doing what your master has said, which is, man, you don't like this. Man, dude, I can't believe he's offending you like this. What about Gandhi? Gandhi was a good guy. What, what, about, what about my teacher? She's... 
she's a she's a Muslim. She she's a good person. Nah, this is stupid. This is this is nonsense. What about my uncle? My uncle doesn't believe in Jesus. He helped raise me. And you may think these are all good things. These are all good, man. But think back to Genesis. He was offering him food. He was offering Eve food. Satan was literally offering food to Eve. We would think, man, that serpent's so nice. Trying to encourage Eve. Look at that. But under that encouragement, under that lie, under that deception, right, was nothing but death. Nothing but death. And once you die, you are a slave to sin. Spiritually, of course. But because you are not under the law, but under grace. So people in Adam that live this old way, they are dead, just like Adam died. But in Christ, we are alive. We have been brought to life, from death to life. It's an instant transformation. Literally, you were dead in your sins and transgressions. Christ came. He brought you out and put you in a new way of living in life. He made you alive. All the believers, all the believers in this place, everyone who was born again, you now know that you have been brought to life with Christ. What are, what are some of the benefits? What are the benefits because these are benefits. A lot of you think that's religion. Once I give my life to Jesus, I'm stuck being religious. I have to be like some priest who can't have any type of marriage. I have to be like some monk who I have to go to like a, a mountain and stay there and maybe like hit myself if I feel like sinning. Oh, no, I have to be, you know, like some type of lame or whatever. Whatever you may think, it's all lies from the enemy because there are more benefits in Christ than any benefit in the world. You see, in Christ, not in the world, you have love. You have joy. You have peace. You have kindness. You're actually able to be patient with people, right? Not everything irks your bones. You're able to have, uh, you're able to have goodness. You're able to have self-control. You see, everything that the flesh takes from you, God gives it tenfold. He gives it to you infinitely. There's blessings in Christ, life in Christ. So here's the thing. Not only is there that, but there's exactly what the devil deceived Eve of, basically giving up. When they, when they disobeyed God and they gave up life and they chose to die, guess what? In Christ, there's no shame. What that means is there's no guilt. That means there's no blame. That means there's no pride. That means there's no separation from God. Just like I was saying last week, once you are dead, you are separate from God. But he brings you back, makes you alive, and reconciles you back to himself. He brings you back. Because here's the thing. Once you're dead, right, what can you do? Can a dead man, like I asked you guys, why are you broke, right? If I asked a dead person that, why are you dead? He can't even answer me. He can't even answer me. A dead man can't do anything good. So when you're dead in your sins, you're trying to work your way to life, it's not going to happen. You're still stuck in the grave, that's like asking a dead man, hey, yo, dead man, try to make yourself back, you know, get yourself back to life, you know? It's like going to a funeral and saying, man, dude, hey, nah, he's going to work himself back to life. You just got to pray more. You just got to go to church more. You just got to be a better person. You, you just got to do more of the Christian thing. Let me, stop cussing a little bit. But John, he's not even talking. He stopped, he's going to stop cussing a little bit. You see, it's foolishness. To say, I can earn the salvation. I can earn life. If you are here and elevate thinking, man, dude, I want to be a better person. That's why I came here. 
guess what? You went to the wrong place. We're going to tell you how it is. You are dead in your sins, and you need to be brought back to life. You need to repent and turn to God. And I know you guys are clapping, but I want you to listen because this could be about you. Because we were all here. We were all here. So you may think, man, dude, yeah, like, yeah, I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. You need to start at one place, right, at the cross. Then you need to believe in another another thing that happened in another place, the tomb, Christ resurrecting. Because this is the fact, right? All the Christians, they testify up here. They talk about how, man, I was once in depression. I was once suicidal. I once had guilt. They were talking about people that were dead. They were dead. But as they speak, they have been made alive in Christ, but they had to do one thing, right? They had to acknowledge that they were dead and ask for life. See, that is what needs to happen. You need to acknowledge your death and your sin, your separation from God. You need to acknowledge that you don't know God, and you need to know him. You need to. Because until then, this will not be a reality, You will be thinking as a dead man, I'm alive. How stupid does that sound? We understand that in the physical. If we started to dress someone up who was dead as someone who was alive and put a mic to their face, right, and say, hey, man, you preach. We'd be here for an hour just listening to no one. Listen, you have to be made alive in Christ. If I can have everyone stand up, please. Can I have Stephanie to the mic? If you, uh, if you go to Romans, actually, no, uh, if you can stay, go to the, the slide before that, I believe. So in summary, we were all dead in our sins, but Christ has brought us to life. It's plain and simple. You know you are dead in sin if you are disobedient to God. It's really that simple. You know that you're alive in Christ. If first you have faith in him. And you're being obedient. You see, once you are alive, you live. You live. Once you are alive, you live, obviously. But you live like Jesus lived. You live as Jesus lived. If I could leave you guys with some things. You, in order to apply this, you have to understand. Like I was saying, we were all dead in our sins. Whether you are, this is the first time you've heard the gospel in Jesus or you've heard this a hundred times, you have to understand, you were, we were all dead in our sins. But we have been made alive to God, to God, because of Christ Jesus, because of what Jesus did. So now, as people who are made alive, we no longer have sin as our master. So you don't let it. The Bible, it literally said, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Look, look at that. As Christians, we are not to let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. What does that make you? It makes you an instrument of wickedness. But if you could go to the next verse, please. But we, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under law but grace. So listen, this is basically this. You are made now an instrument of righteousness. See, it's a complete switch of identity. You were once an instrument of wickedness, dead in your sins. Now you are made alive in Christ, an instrument of righteousness. It's a complete switch of lords. A lot of you guys will say, yeah, Jesus is my Lord and Savior while you smoke a blunt. 
A lot of you say, yeah, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Are you cussing? And you don't care about the word of God. And, and you're doing all types of things, just obeying your flesh. But Lord means master. It's plain and simple. Either sin is your Lord and your master, or Jesus is your Lord and your Savior. Plain and simple. So can I have, if I could have my altar workers out here. I'm, gonna, I'm calling on two people, right? Everyone, that, everyone falls into these two categories. It doesn't matter. I know some of you all, y'all, y'all knew and you don't like labels, but this is it. God is labeling you, okay? He still loves you the same, but those who are dead in sin, but want to made al- be made alive in Christ, come up, receive prayer. We will walk you through that. So I can have my altar workers. Jackie, if you're a girl, you can go with her. If you're a guy, if I could have the, the male altar worker, he'll be right here. You can go with him, but it's simple. For those who are dead and want to be made alive, we will talk to you, we will pray with you, and we will walk you through that. Now, those that have been made alive, praise God. Praise God. And you feel like, man, I don't want to let sin reign in my life, and I don't want to obey any evil desires. I want you to come up and receive prayer, get alone with God, and just check your heart. That's all I ask, right? So with heads bowed, right, eyes closed. Think about just the message. Let the message replay in your mind. Are you dead in your sins? Have you been living disobedient? Are you alive in Christ? Have you been living righteous? Have you been being tempted and you've been given into temptation? Lord God, I ask you, God. Lord, first of all, I thank you, Jesus, for your love, God. I praise you, God, because we deserved wrath. We deserved hell. We deserved everything that was coming to us, God. But you took it on the cross, Lord. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. You are worthy, Jesus. God, it doesn't matter if no one here praises you. The rocks will cry out, God. Lord, your sacrifice was enough. You were worthy, God. What you did on that cross was enough to save the whole world, God. So I ask you, Lord, that everyone, Lord, would humble themselves and repent, God. Everyone that does not know you, that is dead in their sins, I pray that you would speak to them right now, God. That you, as I am praying, Lord, we begin to, to move in their hearts, Lord, begin to convey the message to their hearts. And I pray that they would repent and they would be saved. God, I pray for those Christians, those believers, those saints, Lord. That you would encourage their hearts, God. They may be going through trials. They may be going through so many things, Lord. But their identity is that they are alive in Christ. They have life in Christ. Lord, I pray, God, that through the trials, Lord, through the world's problems, which there will be, God, I pray that you would continue to comfort them, Lord. That you would continue to give them strength. That they would not doubt you and doubt who you made them to be, Lord. Hallelujah. Stephanie, if you could sing just anything on your heart.